0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the seventh episode of Influence Series of Professor P. podcast. My name is Carsa Pekar. I'm a psychotherapist, professor, and author. And today, through this podcast, we're going to be answering the question of what is ethical influence? And we want to focus on this topic because this is such an important subject as we talk about influence. And of course, when we talk about influence, we talk about leadership. So for today's show, I'm going to be doing a book review on Brenda Brown's Dare to Lead. Then I'll be having a special guest who will be discussing on the topic. And of course, one of my former students who will share her ideas on ethical influence. Before I get into my book review, what I want to discuss is when we talk about influence, we're talking about leadership, right? Because leadership in its depth, it's about influencing people. And of course, on a bigger scale, the board itself. And ethical means this is something that has certain values that we count as important. So it's important to always understand that when we lead or when we have influence, we want to make sure it is something ethical and something that is taking into consideration people's best interests in mind. So I'm going to do some key reflections on Brenna Brown's "There to Lead book, which can help you to gain deeper insights into your role as a leader. And I do believe that every one of us has the capability to be a leader. It's like a seed that's, been put in our heart and in our and our personal lives and when we grow that seed we can become a great leader that we were supposed to be so more than anything leadership is about self-discovery and when we lead and when we are in the position of being a leader we can influence people so the first reflection is vulnerability is a strength not a weakness uh, so in today's world, we might perceive vulnerability as a weakness. But this book reminds us that being open about our fears, doubts, and imperfections can actually make us stronger leaders. And on the other hand, when we are vulnerable, it allows us to connect on a deeper level with the people around us and being able to build trust. The second point is the leadership requires courage. So being a courageous leader means you're taking risks, you have tough conversations, or you stand up for what you believe in, even when it's difficult. And it's the willingness to step into uncertainty and embrace discomfort for the sake of growth and progress. The third is value guide your leadership, right? So when we talk about ethical leadership or influence, we're talking about our values and our values should be the core of our leadership style, which means we reflect on what matters most to you and the people you lead, and you ensure that your decision and action aligns with those values. And when we lead with integrity, we inspire people to do the same. The fourth reflection is empathy drives connection. True leaders understand the power of empathy. So when you take the time to understand and connect with the experiences and emotions of other people, you build trust and create a more inclusive environment. The fifth reflection is shame can be a barrier, right? So shame has a potential to hinder our our leadership effectiveness. And it's important, I believe, to reflect on how we deal with shame and learn to build resilience so we can move forward and continue to lead with confidence. Another important thing is trust is the foundation. So trust is a cornerstone of effective leadership. So we must work diligently to build and maintain trust within our team. With transparency, reliability, and accountability are key components of trust. Second reflection is empower and foster growth. So as a leader, our role is in to empower the people we influence and to take ownership of their work. And if we are working a team and encourage their personal and professional growth. Leaders build leaders. This is something that we need to have in mind. And when we influence people, we're not doing it to take advantage of them, but to give them opportunity for them to shine. The eighth reflection is effective communication matters, which is active listening when it comes to communication and being open and honest, which are very important skills for a leader. And we need to ensure that we create a safe space for people uh, to share their thoughts and concerns. The ninth reflection is adaptability is a key. So in a world that is constantly changing, Being adaptable is very important. So, we need to be open to change, willing to adjust our strategies, and commit to continuous learning. And last reflection is we need to balance our heart and head. So, effective leadership requires a balance between emotional intelligence, which is our heart, and rational decision making. And we need to consider both the emotional impact and the practical implications of our choices because that will affect also the people who follow us so this reflection can serve as a foundation for our leadership philosophy and guide us to become a more effective and impactful leader of course both in our professional and personal life and according to this book which i absolutely love this point is it says that the leadership is not about being perfect or perfection but about continuous growth and learning. And it's a matter of self-discovery. There are some top lessons from the book, which as I mentioned already, uh, I have some key points, but then I like to kind of emphasize on some of the top lessons as well. And uh, the first point Dr. Brown mentioned is vulnerability is the strength, right? So she emphasizes the importance of embracing vulnerability as a leader, uh, second is the courage we talk about, which means you take risks and have difficult conversation. You need to have clear values and boundaries. This is one of the most important ones. So kind of define for yourself what is my values and boundaries that I create around them. We show empathy as leaders, as we discussed earlier. We are able to build trust and accountability for ourselves and with the people who we trust the empowerment and growth is another key point which we kind of take that ownership to help our followers to grow for themselves and find ways to feel strengths and then we do the listening and feedback so we provide active listening and provide constructive feedback as needed And we need to also adapt and learn as a leader, right? So uh, we need to have be be able to adapt to change, but also learn ourselves daily. Uh, This is such a key and important point. And of course, we lead with the heart and with the head, right? So we combine those two together. There are some also practical day-to-day kind of life activities that we can do to implement these ideas which what I always talk about in my classes, doesn't matter what type of information we receive, unless we apply it and being able to apply in our daily lives, I don't believe the information is of any benefit. So it's important to put those lessons into practice. And so here are some ways we can do that. First, we need to do self-reflection. Self-reflection is such an important matter that I always encourage every person that I talk to to think for themselves. And this is where self-reflection comes to being. We, as leaders, we need to reflect on our own leadership styles and values. So some question we can ask ourselves is, what are my core values? What kind of leader do I aspire to be? So this can help you to understand, okay, what do I want to be and what kind of leader I want to be Remember us. The second, we need to embrace uh, vulnerability by sharing our thoughts and feelings and experience with people. I always talk about that when we are vulnerable, it makes other people to be vulnerable as well. And as leaders, we need to take that initiative approach. So when we do that, our followers and those who trust us will be able to be vulnerable as well. And we create that closeness with them. Third, we need to have courageous conversations so we don't want to shy away from difficult conversations. And I believe this is one of the problems that we currently have in our world is we are trying to stay away from those conversations, which are so important. And we'll be talking later with our guests why that's such an important thing to have in our world. Fourth, we want to make sure we set clear values and boundaries. I cannot emphasize this more that when we have those boundaries and have a clear value of, of what who we are we create respect around all of relationships so it's so important for us to have those and make sure we enforce them as necessary we want to practice empathy right by active listening and sometimes it means you are just being there for that person whoever is in in front of you so empathy is such an important thing and you show your support and understanding and you create a safe space for people to share their thoughts and feelings. Instead of shame, you want to have resilience. So when you make mistakes or face setbacks, focus on resilience rather than dwelling on the shame. This is so important. And I've been talking about so far in our different episodes on how we should change our languages, right? So when we make mistakes, don't even call it a mistake, call it as something that you've learned, right? So it's so important to use those words, and have resilience when we are facing shame. We want to make sure we build trust and accountability. And that is by being reliable, right, accountable, and transparent in our action and decision. What that truly means is that our words, intention, and actions are in the same accordance. That's how we build trust as leaders. We want to encourage empowerment and growth, which means we encourage our followers, right, to take ownership of their work and also provide opportunities for them uh, to have personal and professional growth as well. The next point is, as a leader, we want to make sure that we are adaptable and we also learn every day. So a practice that I encourage everyone to do is every day focus on three things, beauty, knowledge, and act of kindness. So the way this works is, When you are starting your day and you're going out there to the world, whatever you're doing, focus on one thing that you find beautiful. It can be a work of art, piece of music. You look at the nature and you find it mesmerizing, whatever it is for you. Second, you want to learn at least one one thing, which can be from a book or let's say you hear a podcast or... You do self-reflection, right? So you want to make sure you're in that learning mindset. And lastly, it's an act of kindness, which it can be as easy as as we've been talking, active listening, being able to even, you know, provide a smile to a stranger, that can be an act of kindness, whatever that works for you. And when we are able to practice those three things that I mentioned daily, which are beauty, knowledge, and act of kindness we are able to focus on something that is positive and noble. Please stay tuned as we'll be back with our guests. Welcome, Dr. Shayla. Uh, Please introduce yourself and give us one value that is important to you.
1: Hi, everyone. Hi, Farsa. I am Dr. Sheila Nazarian. I am a mother of three. I am married to a brain surgeon. I am an Iranian Jewish immigrant um, and an activist and a plastic surgeon.
0: That's very interesting, Dr. Sheila, and something I want to talk about, because as a plastic surgeon and being an activist, uh, that's such an interesting combination, So uh, today, Dr. Shella, we are talking about ethical influence and how it affects our world. So first of all, I want to hear how you became an activist and what led you to do that, and then what the ethical influence means to you personally.
1: Yeah, so I uh was really good at art and uh, I, I was really good at math and science. And so my father was a physician. He's a pathologist. And we always had that, I guess, doctor influence from him. I think he originally wanted to be a musician, but he came from a very poor family. So he had to put that on the back burner. He still plays a lot of instruments, self-taught, but he basically mm-hmm. had to become a doctor to support his family out of poverty. Um, my, uh, mom was a housewife and always encouraged me and kind of was my biggest fan. We came to the U S when I was seven years old, by the time we got here and we, you know, kind of had an escape story, much like a lot of, um, Iranian immigrants do, but we went through the desert, uh, uh, through the desert into Pakistan, Mm -hmm. slept in the desert one night. We were seen by border police. They started shooting at us, but thank God we got away. And then we waited in Pakistan for a few months waiting for our visas, reunited with my father in Vienna, and uh together as a family came to the U.S. So I think for me, it was kind of a difficult transition. I was very, very skinny. I, you know, English was my second language, and so it was difficult kind of making friends. And... um I think my mom was my biggest fan in that sense, um, that she was like, you're so smart, you're so beautiful, even though I, you know, wasn't hearing any of that from, you know, peers growing up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so, you know, she always encouraged me and I looked into medicine. I thought it was really cool to help people. And um, I thought I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon because I liked wood shop and designing things and building them. And then when I finally got into it, it was just not as artistic as I thought. It was very cookie cutter. So one of my friends said, hey, why don't you look into plastic surgery? And I did. And that's when I fell in love with that and became a plastic surgeon. Um, You know, I started doing, I also did business school between general surgery training and plastic surgery training. I had three children during residency. Mm -hmm. And I always really liked the creativity of marketing and business in general. And I think, you know, the way I look at business, it's kind of the psychology of how people spend their money. And that was always very interesting to me. And so when I came out, I did a lot of um, marketing myself on social media, I got a lot of um, requests to be on TV and to do, you know, kind of these expert beauty topics. Um, Eventually, I got a show on Netflix. And that was a few years ago, we got nominated for People's Choice Award, we got nominated for an Emmy Award. And so that just made my platform grow even more. And then My daughter applied to my high school. My kids are getting, you know, they're in their teen years. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't like what's happening on college campuses. I don't like that kids feel like they have to hide who they are. They're so afraid of getting canceled. Um, Everybody's walking on eggshells. What's the point of college if you can't talk to people who think differently from you? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just started speaking up on my social media. I remember I started speaking up about, you know, anti-Semitism first. I remember I lost... 3,000 followers in the first 30 minutes with Mm. my first post. And I went into deep like trepidation. You know, I was like, even doing like hashtag Shabbat Shalom freaked me out because in Iran, you never said you were Jewish. You never Mm. put a mezuzah on your door. You never like put Hanukkah celebrations up. It was just a very quiet thing you didn't talk about. And so I just said, you know what? My parents didn't risk everything to bring me to America to shut up. And so I just started going crazy. And my Instagram basically went from being a beauty instagram to a jewish slash free speech slash just i don't know america loving (laughs) (laughs) appreciative to be here especially now with all the stuff happening in iran yeah as as a woman i mean that when i asked my dad why did you guys leave they said we just saw that there was no future for women in in iran and we have two daughters so we knew we had to get out and knowing that 40 years ago imagine you know how much it's moved in that direction over the last 40 years. And so I think um the way I say it, it was, it was kind of like a survival gut instinct to speak speak up. It was uh not something that I couldn't do, even though I knew it could be to the detriment of my business.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you think that has affected? I mean, you mentioned you lost 3,000 followers and I want to ask in what ways it affected your business. But before that, Dr. Shela, what I want to mention is I can relate to your experience because I came when I was 14 and of mm-hmm. course I can relate to so many things you mentioned and as you said also I think even as a woman now we see you know it's the anniversary of Masa I mean, his death is coming which was so sad mm-hmm. so I can see some of the reasons why you wanted to stand up and I believe that's really courageous and amazing. Uh, but I'm sure that affected as you mentioned your business in some ways or maybe even positive ways but I like to hear how that affected your business
1: I I literally thought I was just gonna go out of business I think that's mm-hmm. the mentality I went into this with but it was almost like I can't even live with myself if I don't speak up like yeah. how can I post about breast augmentation and Botox when people are dying and mm-hmm. kids are being harassed for their religion um I just I couldn't I couldn't not speak up, but I think what happened and I've learned so many things over the last three years when, from when I did started just, you know, saying what I think, imagine that in America, Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've pulled in people who share similar values. I, it's been great for mental health because I can actually say what I think and I don't have to be constantly self-censoring, which can be exhausting. Um, and actually business is doing really well and people before that liked me for my results. Now I walk into a room and they're literally like tears in their eyes saying, I'm obsessed with you. I love you. And so I really learned that you can't have people passionately obsessed with you unless you're willing to have some people who hate your guts. You can't just be like, oh, I'm middle of the road and then expect people to like, love you. It's not yeah. how it works.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the way I also look at it is you either in, you know, fight like when you don't stand up for something, I think deep down, you know, in your conscious, you need to. So you're in that fight with yourself if you don't. And that's the worst thing and last thing you want to be right where you Mm -hmm. kind of resist that urge to speak up for what is true to you and your values and what's important to you. So uh, that totally makes sense. Um, in terms of ethical influence, uh, Dr. Sheila, how do you see that in your day-to-day life? How do you use that? Because I do believe, as you mentioned, you have this great influence in your work and now, you know, through your social media and your activist work. So how do you use that? Because to me, it sounds you use it in such a positive way, the, the influence, and I believe that's really great. So um, how do you use, use your voice or influence to affect people positively?
1: I actually use ethical influence in two ways. I think with COVID, I realized how easily influenced people are. Mm -hmm. And I decided, okay, well, I'm going to influence them towards the light instead of allowing them to um, be influenced by dark characters, you know, politically or... Um, whether it's anti-Semites posting false things, you know, posting images from a different country and saying, oh, this is what's happening in Israel right now. And I'm like, no, that actually happened in the 1940s in a completely different country. You know, people are don't take the time to really research. They just see something and believe it to be true because it's on the Internet. So yeah. I, I really felt like I had to dispel some, um, falsities and really lead people towards, Hey, maybe, maybe you didn't think of something like this, or here's the other side of the story that mainstream media or, um, you know, other influencers aren't telling you. So that's one way. So politically and religiously, I use it in my work. I think that it's, you know, you can't make people think that doing for example a thousand squats a day is going to give them the butt that that influencer has which i know she got through surgery Mm. or telling girls that if you don't have your lips looking this way you're not beautiful
2: Mm.
1: or because some people let's let's face it can't afford to do their lips or can't afford you know this and that i think it's good to tell people what doesn't work so they're not even if they're spending twenty dollars here ten dollars there if they're spending on something that doesn't do anything i think on one end, they need to know that. And on the other end, they need to know if you actually want to achieve this. It's not through working out. You know, this person actually had a procedure done and this is how you can tell. Mm-hmm. So I think I use it in the beauty space, but I also use it in the activism space.
0: I and mean, it sounds both the honesty plays a very big role the way you do it, Dr. sharon
1: Yeah. And I mean, I just yesterday, you know, I was I posted, you know, I did my own injections in my face um, a couple of days ago, and I just came on, I said, this is what the swelling looks like the next day. This is what the needle marks look like, you know, and I think a lot of times influencers don't share the things that they're actually doing. They'll be like, oh, I got 50 facials, you know, or like, I'm putting olive oil on myself where, you know, wait a second, you're 50 and you have no hanging skin on your neck. That's not olive oil.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think what you also mentioned, Dr. Shella, we live in this age where, you know, there's social media, of course, and everyone has an access to information. And there's so much information out there. There is the news, which I have my own you know, idea about that and other things where people are influenced by. Right. I mean, I think as a human beings, we are always influenced in one way or another and everything is trying to grab our attention right that's what everything does in the world so we need to be first of all i think very careful of who or what influences us and then kind of think for ourselves okay is that true or not so i think the question i have is what do you think are some common like ethical dilemmas that people face when trying to influence others and how they can navigate these situations you know when they are facing those dilemmas
1: yeah, I mean, some ethical dilemmas are money. Mm-hmm. So whether it's not speaking up for fear of losing money or contracts or um, saying something, as, you know, it could be something as innocuous as, oh, I love this curling iron for my hair, but you're being paid to say that and you're going to just throw it in the trash the next day. It doesn't kill anybody, you know? <laughs> I had one of my influencers tell me like, yeah, I could just say I love this curling iron and nobody dies, you know, but as an MD, having the MD after my name, I I just can't vouch for everything that, you know, people offer to say works. Like I had this guy approach me at one of our surgical meetings and say, I will pay you to say that I do your SEO or I, I'll pay you to say that I did your website. And I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think, um, it all usually comes back to money or control in some way. Uh, you know, the ethical, the ethical dilemmas. Um, yeah. I don't know. What have you found? What do you think you see?
0: That's a good question. I would agree that, uh, money can play a part. And I think the reason money can play a part because it gives people power and, um, I think power is something that all humans seek on some level, which I define it as having control over your circumstances, right? Which money Mm -hmm. can keep in many situations. If you have money, for example, and you get sick, you're able to go to a good doctor, right? So power in itself, I don't see it's a bad thing. And I do believe it's something that every human desires deep down. But of course it becomes corrupt when we seek it in the wrong way, like anything mm-hmm. else in life, right? There's that positive and negative side to it. And uh, that's when it's become problem and, you know, a challenge for people. Uh So Dr. Shayla, I think what makes me just to ask you is for people who maybe have a hard time standing up for whatever reason, right? There might be that fear of losing their business, You know, I'm sure there are people in Iran that for security reasons, and it makes sense to me to some degree, because if I was there, for example, too, I'm not sure how I would react. I'll be very honest. Um, What do you think some of the ways maybe they can stand up and share what they think, right, or what they truly value in their life, stand up for what is right, basically?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I fully recognize that, I'm in a different position to speak up in the U.S. and I have no place telling people in Iran how to speak up when they're not allowed to carry guns. They're not allowed to, you know, say what they think uh, publicly and they're in real danger of bodily harm. I think the only way to speak up is to come at it in numbers like they've been doing and come, you know, in numbers, there's power. Um, but that's why I'm such a proponent of the Second Amendment in America. Anywhere, you know, where you look that they've taken the guns away, it hasn't out of the population's hands. It hasn't turned out well. And uh, as you know, they took the guns away from the population and they, they really it's it's very difficult to um, defend and protest and not be jailed and beaten and raped and killed. So I have no place telling the people in Iran how to stand up. But I will tell you, you um, For me, you know, I was a Persian girl, I wanted to be told what a good girl I am, I I wasn't born this way. Uh, But what I did is I just started with a little bit of discomfort. So I did hashtag Shabbat Shalom. That was very uncomfortable for me. And I kind of went with that for a while. And then I start speaking up a little bit more and push pushing myself into that uncomfortable space a little bit more Mm
0: -hmm. and then see
1: how that went. And then a little bit more and a little bit more until now, I just say whatever I think. And it might be the least popular opinion in the room, but I'll say it. And I'll say why. And I say it with love. And I think people know that I'm coming from a place of love and I'm not trying to divide people, but I just want people to think and I want people to you know, have a good old fashioned debate. Like when I was in, you know, school, they would make you debate both sides of an argument. Yeah. You know, now it's like I was at a party and I was just talking to this girl about, I don't know, political candidates. She's like, I can't even talk to you right now. Like nobody wants to like even have the conversations or the debates anymore. It's sort of like, so um, one way in people's heads mm. that, and they don't want to be uncomfortable you know, they call it, I'm triggered, you know, like, I hate these words. It's like, like go to Iran and then tell me how triggered you are here. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. And also the way I I look at it as well is like, when you do stand up, up for yourself, you feel empowered, right? As you said, like you do little and then you feel empowered. So and it- then you
1: empower others to do the same. I can't, I, I'll tell you, like there's a radio host that started speaking up. She's on Sirius XM. She's the one who inspired me. To speak up just just seeing how she did it now that i'm doing it everywhere i go people are like i see you speaking up and i'm starting to speak up too so i think it's contagious that there's such a need right now there's such a pendulum swinging towards people just being fed up
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: not wanting to be silent anymore Uh, so i don't know how bad it has to get for people Mm -hmm. to feel that way you know on mass but I I certainly feel a lot less lonely on the internet right now.
0: Yeah, I understand. And as you mentioned, I think since we are social beings, if people see you stand up, they start to do it the same. And I think one example I remember from my own personal life, I remember one time I was at a Starbucks. It's a very simple example, but Mm -hmm. I think it makes sense. And this guy came and he was so rude to all the employees and he was shouting. And I just, you know, and people I could tell were, very uncomfortable so i just told him i'm like hey this is not right what you're doing i just kind of spoke up and he started kind of talking me back but when he did other people in in the you know store started to speak up to him and he left mm-hmm. but that day it really made me think i'm like okay if someone stands up others will have the courage as you said to stand up themselves as well and i do believe if you stand up for a cause and you truly believe in it, and of course, it's something you—it's of a good value, people start to respect you, even if they don't agree, right? And that's how you gain respect in your life, by standing up for something, not just to agree with what everyone's saying. That's like, I think most politicians are like that. They just agree with people for their own reasons, gain and interest. But when you truly stand up for a cause that's important to you, that's of good value, start to gain the respect of people
1: yeah and also i just wanted to say too for people listening that are so afraid of being canceled you can't get canceled unless you give into it so you know somebody says you're canceled if you just keep going you keep talking you keep saying it unapologetically Mm -hmm. you will never be canceled you will just goodness will come into your light i I, one of my friends said god rewards the authentic Mm. so just stay authentic you will attract your tribe You'll be around people that you actually want to be around and who actually appreciate you for the real you, not for who you're pretending to be.
0: Yeah, and I think part of that too is, as you mentioned, of course, you'll find your own community and audience, but there's also that fear maybe for many people. I mean, we see it a lot in with the clients and in psychology that there's a fear of rejection, right? Like if I say what I want to say and I believe it, others might reject me and as humans we want to be accepted but of course as you keep doing that you'll find people who agree with you and that can be very rewarding and makes you keep going Uh, so Dr. Sheila if someone wants to become influential what would you recommend them to do or what is it do you think the way to be influential
1: I mean um are you talking about like social media
0: it can be social media or in real life, I would say. Um, someone wants to be a, you know, like a well known in whatever field they want to be. And of course we're talking in an ethical way, which we've been discussing because I think as we've talked, influence can be a positive or negative thing, of course. But what would you recommend, uh, ways that people can be influential? Cause, you know, again, going back to what we've been discussing, I do believe Deep down, we all want to be have that power to influence people. Of course, we want to use it in a positive way, but everyone has that desire deep down. I see it in all people of different walks of life. And I think it's a good thing. It's it's No, way- it,
1: it is. I heard this one thing that people were saying, you know, an ego is very necessary to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, without the ego, you can't, uh, you don't have drive, you don't have ambition. And so... Mm -hmm. Um, I also really related to hearing that, you know, you need ego up until the age of 40 and then at the age of 40, you kind of want to let the ego go and give back and ground yourself. And so I've really, that really just relates to I'm 44 right now. So I feel like that really just like, I'm in that place. Um, I don't know if everyone wants power influence. Like, I feel like some people just want to go live in the mountains and like live a quiet life and have animals and a farm and grow their own vegetables. I've seen that too. So um, I think if you wanna be influential, it is like it's not something that like I necessarily went after. I just knew how to market myself. I knew I had unique ideas, especially you know among doctors. Um, I had a different approach. I wasn't really trying to influence i don't know other people to do it how I did it. I think if anything. I'd like to influence people to sort of be authentic and do things how they want to do it. And that's, those are the people that I I follow where I'm like, oh, wow, that's a unique take or like, oh, I never thought about doing it that way. Or that person has amazing style. I haven't seen that anywhere else. Or, you know, so I think doing what you love and then knowing that it's little by little and at first you're just talking to yourself, um, but if you have passion and you're getting an expertise in something, which also takes time and work, mm-hmm. I think that eventually those people that are interested in the same things, whether it's rocket science or plastic surgery or skincare or politics, whatever it is, it's little by little. It's knowing your craft, being an expert, pushing the boundaries a bit and doing things in a unique way that, that, that people, you know, are peaked. Their interest is peaked. and, um, you know, just sort of staying true to your, for example, for me, I'm staying true to my aesthetic. So I never follow these beauty trends. Mm-hmm. I always say your body's like a neutral couch. You can change the pillows, but you never want to do something. You never want to have a paisley couch, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you don't want to throw out your couch every 10 years and get a new couch. You want to just change up the pillows. So I never do these like big butts or massive boobs or, fox eye or like, you know, these trends, cause I know they come and go. Um, so I guess that's always been my aesthetic. And now I think people are wanting more natural results. So I think that you just like stay true to yourself and do the things or say the things that are very authentic to you and your values or your aesthetic or whatever. And I think, you know, keep going and, and most importantly, get started. I think people just stand in their own way so much. Mm -hmm. Oh, my hair was pointing out. I didn't like that. I said the word, um, too many times. So I'm just not going to post that. So I think a lot of times we know everything. We are the expert in it. We're doing things in cool ways, but we just are so afraid of rejection or judgment that we stand in our own way before we even get the information out there to even begin. So,
0: yeah. And I think what you mentioned, authenticity for you is one of the main things in order Mm to, achieve that
1: yeah i think it's interesting when like i don't know for example doctors put out a certain image and then you go to their office and, and then you're like whoa that doesn't match you know like i re- you know you, have, you really do have to be authentic like people do figure it out if you're faking it
0: yeah and as you mentioned i like how you mentioned you're so you're honest with your clients too and what to, for them to expect as well which is so important yeah by influence And to me, too, I think for me, it's about when you do it in serving service of others, you start to be influential in a positive way because, you know, you people see that intention. And, you know, there's there are always a lot of people that wants to be served, but not so many people who want to serve. So you'll be unique, too. And little by little, you gain, you know, the trust of people, confidence. And of course, you do it because It's deep in your heart, and that's something you want to do. So, uh, Dr. Shella, how do you see yourself moving forward and influencing the world? I mean, you've been doing it. Oh,
1: my gosh. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. There's so many, like, different interests and and avenues and different businesses. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where this adventure of life takes me. I think, you know, I have a very strong faith. I know that God has my back. um, And... I feel the wind at my back a lot. I have a lot of positive things and positive feedback and I know I'm on the right path. You know, I don't know if people call that in the flow or they call it, you know, I don't know what, you know, in, in coaching language people call it, but I'm in my flow. So I'm, you know, always looking at new opportunities and I just know that it's going to be good.
0: Yeah, and that's such a good feeling when you know you're on the path that I do believe that was predestined for you, right? And you're on that path and you are living the life that's so authentic to you, right? Like the bird that flies, that's authentic to the bird. And for mm-hmm. us too, I do believe we all have certain purposes. And when we are living that purpose, we feel so natural. It's so natural for us. So, as our last question, Dr. Shella, first of all, I want to thank you for being here and your time. Thank and- you. I want to ask if you could say one thing for the listeners, an act of kindness that would encourage them and motivate them to do, what would that be?
1: I think an act of kindness is basically something that I think is overlooked is is being kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think when you're happy and you're being kind to yourself, it fills your cup and then you have the energy to do for others around you. But I think so much, especially in our community, se people forget themselves, especially the women. Mm-hmm. They're always giving to their kids or their families and they're empty. They're, their, their bank account is empty. So I always tell them you have to make some deposits mm-hmm. so that you're not running on empty. So I think an act of kindness is you know get a facial <laughs> get yourself something nice um splurge on yourself and maybe even it could be as simple as telling others what you need but you you're worthy of investing in
0: mm-hmm. yeah so to be kind to yourself that's a great act of kindness as a well thank you Dr. Sheila for being here and I'll appreciate the time
1: Thank you so much for having me on. This was fun.
0: Of course. Marla, welcome to the show.
3: Hello, Professor. Good morning.
0: How are you doing today?
3: I'm doing good. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. So Marla, please give a little introduction for, of yourself and one value that is important to you.
3: Okay. Um, so my name is Marla Morales. I'm currently a student at Pepperdine in the master's program. Um, I'll be done in April and I'm in the MFT track. And um, I am in the faith-based internship right now. Um, and one value for me, I think, is um, faith.
0: Mm-hmm. and how is that important to you it sounds you're doing faith-based work and faith is one of your important values yes. yes
3: sure so it's important for me I think that that's what keeps me grounded that's what keeps me going that's what keeps me centered I found that that is part of um, who I am and who I want to be in order to be able to hold space for other people
0: yes and I do I agree with that point I think faith is such an important part of our life and believe it or not we all have faith in something right but it's right. important to understand think, where we put our faith in so uh, Marla today's topic is about ethical influence so first of all I want to know what do you think of the topic and uh, overall what's your definition and ideas regarding that
3: um, it's funny that you uh, asked me that because I am having an ethical dilemma at my internship. Mm-hmm. And so um I think that it's something, especially for us right now in practicum or being a student and being an internship, it's so important to get a clear definition of what being ethical is and how to be ethical starting off your career. Um And so I'll get back to that. I want to just, you know, quickly share just in my experience in the internship where I am I inherited a case from a therapist that passed away and it looks like there was a lot of blurred boundaries and so now this client is left with you know grieving for this therapist that she saw like a father but there was a lot of broken um you know, unethical things that he did. Um, And so I feel unprepared. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with that, because I'm not getting support at the agency where I am. And so that's something difficult, especially for me, coming into this field, I think that, you know, we have a more of a higher standard to be ethical to do things right, um, you know, to follow, you know, the rules. Um, And so I'm struggling with that right now.
0: Mhm, right. I was gonna ask you, what do you think some of the dilemmas of ethical influence so it sounds you that you've been facing some?
3: yes, so I think because for me, I'm a very um you know I try to to be very ethical, I try to do things, you know, by the rules, if, you know, I learned something and I learned that it's wrong, I try to reprimand that, I try to repair that, um, you know, I'm I'm very good right now at calling the BPS, you know, kind of hotline and asking for consultation even now as a practicum student. Um, and so that is very important to me moving forward because it it gives us that professionalism as well. And so I think I equate that with professionalism and being ethical. Mm-hmm. um and with this place i feel that they present themselves as they are professional but their their ethics are a little um questionable
0: mhm mm-hmm. so for you consultation sounds one way you deal with that dilemma is there are there any other ways that you deal with those yeah. things Mm-hmm.
3: So I call for consultation. I also call the um California MFT line and consult with the attorneys that they have there. I've consulted Um, you know with my professors as well um, just to ask what is this and is this something that happens all the time so I have consulted you know with other professionals um, also with uh, my own peers Um, you know I think that that's important too to see where they are or if this is happening to them and how they're handling that
0: yeah that's a really good point So Marla, what I think is we are always influenced in one way or another in the world. So how do you see yourself being influenced and what is the impact of that on you? Because it sounds, for example, in this uh, place that you're doing your practicum, there are a lot of things that influence you. So how's that going for you in that term?
3: Uh, I think that, you know, we can't help it. We're part of this world and everything influences everything that we see and, you know, we do and read. And so, um, you know, this week, something came up for me where I was listening to a podcast and the person said, you know, what, whatever you take in, you put out. And I completely agree with that. Um, where, um, for me, you know, I try, um, not to let, um, like I'm not on social media, like a lot of people are. I'm one of those people that I'm just not, um, it it I was before, and I think that that started to influence me in such a negative way, where um you know you do feel for the unjust and and you know you feel for the injustice of this world, and so I think that that triggers a lot of stuff, and a lot of people for me, I found that it was making me upset, and you know it was making me change my um my attitude, I think a little bit where I was becoming burnt out a little faster. Um, And so that's how I know that that started to influence me. So I put those boundaries up. And so, you know, I'll go on there maybe once in a while something is going on in the world if I hear it from someone else. And so I want to get informed in that way. Um, But, you know, even, you know, like I said, with this um, practicum or even another past experience that I had, um, you know, that place was not nice either. And so that could have influenced me in such a way where and it started to where I didn't want to continue as a student, I didn't want to continue in this field, because um, they made it so impossible. And so, you know, I think that if we're not careful with how we're being influenced, or what we're, again, taking in, you know, we do put that out there in the world. And that's something that I try to very be my, be very mindful of and be careful of.
0: Yeah, so you're conscious of all the influence that are happening and making sure what comes to you is something that is positive and of good, accords. course. So Marla, how do you see yourself influencing the world?
3: I think that I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to live my life positively. I, I'm trying to... Um, look at the positive side of things rather than, um, you know, look at, you know, why this is happening and just kind of staying stuck in that moment. Um, I feel that that has helped me look at things differently, where if a challenge is coming my way, then I question, what am I supposed to learn from this? What can I learn from this? And so, I think that that has helped me, even when I speak with other people or I engage with other people. Um, I'm hopeful that that is something that I'm also um, showing that I'm I'm trying to look at the positive side and you know, kind of um, how can I explain, shine that brightness or that positivity, you know, wherever I go.
0: Yeah, it sounds you you trying to focus on the positive by changing your perspective on different. Yes. Yeah, totally. Thank you for that. Yes. And on that note, I think the last questions that we always ask our speakers is, if you can suggest one act of kindness to the listeners, what what would that be? Uh, if you want to encourage them to do something.
3: Yes, I think that um, it would be helpful many times for us to step back and just take a minute and understand, if we can, what that person is going through. Um, I think that that really shifts our perspective where. We don't know why that behavior is there. We don't know why they're yelling at us or upset. Um, and if we could meet them, you know, where they are, I think that that is very helpful to help depersonalize a lot of things that a lot of times we take as it's personal. And so it's very helpful to step back and look at what is this person going through and how can I help?
0: Mm, yeah, that's a great point. Marla, thank you for being here. And I wish you all the best, Okay.
3: Thank you, Professor.
0: Nice. Thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to be with you in the next episode. And meanwhile, if you want to stay connected, you can reach me via email at contact. Mm-hmm at parsapaycar.com